we head into Easter, and it says in Luke 23, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. We, if you've grown up in church, you know the story. We read this, and it's easy to just read right over this and to not recognize just the gore and everything. Like if this were happening, with the, most of us wouldn't be looking at this. Most of us wouldn't even watch this or be on the scene. It is so gruesome and so violent. We wouldn't want to be there hearing the screams or smelling the stench or intaking what is taking place here. We read it, we celebrate it because we know what it means. But if you were there in your human flesh, you, you would cover your eyes because of how grotesque what is taking place in this scene. The criminals were crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus says, despite all the gruesome, all the gore, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And soldiers were there gambling for his clothes by throwing dice. Crowd watched and leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too, offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die, we, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. You've got so much taking place in this scene. That's one of my absolute most favorite verses in scripture. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, I want to, we're going to dive into this, but I want to just take a few moments for you guys to just welcome a few people, say hello to those around you. If you need to get a drink or whatever, go ahead and grab one of those, but just say hello to two or three people that are new, meet someone new, say hello, say, I'm glad that you're here and joining with us today. I want to ask a question as we are kicking things off. Have you ever had to do something you didn't want to do, but you had to do? You ever have to do something? I don't want to do this, but I had to do it. Any, any, it's an all skate. You can kind of just shout it out. Anything that you can think of? Work. School. Parenting. Parenting. <laughs> Waking up. <laughs> I had to wake up today. Um, uh, eating vegetables, you know, with your kids. Anyone got kids? You, you mentioned parenting. You got kids. Eating vegetables, you know, you got to do the airplane dance or like there is nothing. You're like, or you're dancing or whatever. That's just some of you, you adults. You got to do that for the adults trying to do the airplane, trying to get them to eat their vegetables. Um, some of you like going to church. You're like, uh, can I say that? Going to church? <laughs> I was one of those kids growing up. My, I, was, I had a drug problem uh, growing up as a kid where my, my parents had to just drug me and drag me uh, <laughs> To, to church, but um, here I am. Um, I remember uh, several years ago, I, our boys, when they were toddlers and infants, um, we were flying on a, on a plane, and you know, if you're flying on a plane with little ones, 
you never know what you're getting yourself into. You got all the diapers and you got the, the, the baby food and milk and there's nursing and there's just a whole plethora of things that can take place on a plane with a, a baby. And for us, we had found the best thing was if you could sit kind of by right behind the, the wing where the jets are, it kind of had this loud noise and a hum. And if you could get them fed and get them in the right position, man, they would just go to sleep and, and zonk out. And, and uh, that, was, that was the best that, that we could do. Once they're awake and they're squirming around, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so, it's hard. So if you've been in that position, I see some of you parents are like, I know exactly what you're talking about or whatever. Well, I was uh, one of the times holding my son and he's asleep. We got him down and it's absolutely amazing. Until all of a sudden, about halfway through the flight, you kind of hear this little rumbling that, that takes place. In, and first, at first you um, kind of feel something, you kind of hear something, and then you start to smell something a little bit more. And then you go from smelling something to, I start to feel my leg warming up. And then you start to see my, what is taking place. And it is a, a full-blown blowout by, by this point in time on a plane. And you know, you're like, okay, I don't want to do this. I didn't sign up for this, but here we are. And so you get up and you got to squeeze past everyone. You're doing all this stuff. Then you got the tiny little bathroom that you got to go and do all this stuff in. And then you got the nice... Um, um, flight attendant who does their job and doing what they're supposed to do there because the seatbelt sign is still not off. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, the, the captain has not turned off the seatbelt sign. And we had asked that you would please stay. And I'm like, I got a blowout lady. Like we got to deal with the blowout. So you just deal. I, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to do it yet. Here, here we are. Um, what does this have to do with Jesus on the cross? I wanted to bring up the word blowout, all right? Humanity is having a huge blowout in this scene. I mean, it is just a, a, a catastrophic mess called sin that is taking place here. They are killing God, the one who is coming to save them. They are mocking him. They are spitting on him. It says they play, came to the place called the skull and they nailed him down there. And if you read through the whole scene and the four Gospels, the four eyewitness accounts that we have on this, he's physically getting beaten down. He's been flogged. They've punched him in the face. They've torn the flesh off his back. In one, in one uh, account, it says that he's unrecognizable. Like you can see each other. I know you. I know your name or whatever. By this point, he's so bloody and beaten up, they don't, you couldn't even recognize who this man was. Emotionally, you, you see it in this scene where they are mocking him. They've been spitting on him. They're gambling for his clothes, treating him as if he's an animal. If you're God, save yourself. And, and just the whole situation, the emotional trauma that's taking place here. Spiritually, I mentioned the word sin. Just spiritually what is going down on this scene and what humanity has done here. You got criminals on both sides. You got... Uh, they're mocking him. You got soldiers that are mocking him. You got the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They're mocking him. His best friends had deserted him and left him. Peter, 
denying him, Judas betraying him, all of this collectively coming in on this scene, and he's dying in this moment. And out comes the words, Father, forgive them. Jesus willingly cleans up the mess. Despite everything that is going on, I can laugh and joke about an airplane blowout. This is no comparison. And he says something that you and I need to focus in on in this season. If we're going to thrive, if we're going to live how God wants us to, to live and live with joy and live with peace, we have to look at these three words, Father, forgive them. This is vital because he's in his last moments here and this is what's on his mind. He willingly cleaned up the mess and he forgave. So what I want to do today is I want to look at these, these three words and the first one is Father. Because there's, there's forgiveness battles that you and I are facing today, and I want to get us some help to go through that. And the first thing is, Father, what is this? This is prayer. He's saying a prayer. He's talking to Father. So if you're, if you're battling with unforgiveness, if you're struggling with some of this, and you want to be set free, or you want to take that next step of faith forward, first thing, pray. Take it right to your heavenly Father. Pray first. Pray immediately. Just me even talking about forgiveness has probably triggered somebody in the room. And I'm going to say, you start right there. Start with prayer. He was hurt and he cried out to his father. If you're hurt, if you're confused, cry out to your father. For many of us, the problem is we've stopped praying. Prayer isn't the first thing we do and we've pretty much forgotten about it. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. So the door will be open. Keep asking, keep praying, keep seeking. And for many of us, we've just simply stopped. And, for, and, and in some ways, I don't blame you, all right? I'm not trying to guilt you. You've prayed, you've tried to pray, and things didn't change. You've prayed about that situation, and it didn't change. And so we've stopped praying because we've given up on prayer. But I do want to remind you that Jesus keeps saying, ask, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, don't stop. He told parables about don't stop praying. Some of us, we've stopped. Some of us, we stop praying because I got it. I got it. If God's not going to do it, I'll do it. All right? That's me. All right? I'm in that camp. I'm in that boat. Uh, God, I need you to move. You're not moving. I'll do it. You know what that is? Pride. God can't, I can. <laughs> or I got a better solution to what he's got. So I've stopped praying because I have to take control. Something needs to be done. Or I stop praying because I'm just too busy. I don't even think about prayer because I'm nonstop on the go, which is a cultural problem for, every, for our society, for a lot of us in the room. I, have, I haven't start, started praying or I don't pray because I'm on this thing all the time. Anytime I have a moment to stop and just take it easy, I numb off and I distract myself with this thing. So a lot of us, we just got to recognize prayer is not our default. We're on the go. We don't think about it. We're mad at God. We're angry at God. Or I got to control the situation, so I'm going to do things. So uh, we, we don't have what we want because we don't pray about it. And we don't pray about it because we're just doing a whole bunch of different things. 
pray. Just go to your father. All right, he knows. I trust and believe that he's in control. This is a chaotic scene. He's the Messiah. He's God's son. You would think if this was God's plan, he could have figured out a better way than this. It seems like God is not on the throne and God is not in control. But what we find out when you read the rest of the story is through it all, God was in total control in this situation. So whatever you're facing today, whatever that thing is, go to your heavenly father. I know it's crazy. I know it seems backwards. I know it seems ups upside down. The circumstances look like there is no hope. We've lost. God has not lost. He's never lost. He's batting a thousand. Start there. Father, Father, Father. Keep praying. I guess that's what I'm trying to encourage you to do. And this is what Jesus told Peter. Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? Like, ha. Do I got to keep forgiving this guy? When can I just write them off? Not seven, but 70 times seven. And for you math people, it's really not about 70 times seven. He's, he never stopped, man. Jesus admits right here. What is he saying? Jesus is trying to tell you and I, forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. So every time that person comes up, forgive them again. Every time that situation triggers that emotion of unforgiveness, forgive them again. It is a process. It may never go away. But Jesus is hinting that if you're a follower of me, you don't get to write people off. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And always forgive. Forgive our prayer Going back to prayer doesn't always change them or the situation, okay? That's what I want. That's where I get frustrated with God. God changed them. God changed the situation. All right, it, prayer may change them, may change the situation. I do believe that God can, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a magic spell formula, so it's not a guarantee. It doesn't always change them or the situation, but prayer will always change me. I'm gonna sit down before God and my Father and bring the situation to him, and more times that he's going to speak right to me, to my heart, and where I need to change. So I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to do is deal with Father. Second word was forgive. Father, forgive. What is humanity's greatest need? Forgiveness. You and I can't earn our salvation. You and I cannot earn a right standing with God. Now, God wants us to be in right standing with him. God wants us to, to be in relationship with him, but we got this big, huge thing called sin. Sin causes separation. You sin against me, you wrong me, that's gonna cause a separation in our relationship. There is now a gap between us. Spiritually speaking, when we sin against God, it, there is now a gap between us. And the Bible's very clear that once a gap is formed, even by one sin, just one, just one is enough with a perfect and holy God to say there's a gap and that gap is too far for you to do anything about it. Now, I, 
when, if you're new to Christianity or if you're checking things out, or some of us even as Christians were like, oh man, he's talking about sin. I don't like that word. It's kind of tense. Can we figure out something else? And like this whole idea of like, you can't do anything to please God and earn your salvation. Like that's kind of like a rough thing to do. Can't we just kind of skip over that? I just want to set you free because I believe this is the beauty of the gospel. We say the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word gospel means good news. This is so part of this is a setup to be like, oh, man, I I can't reach God. What do I do? And I'm going to preach on this on Easter, by the way. So invite friends to to come. And and this is so important because it's not a bad thing. God says you have sinned. There is separation. We can't have relationship until this sin thing is taken care of. The beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that he did all the work. God ordained this whole process to say, let me just lower the bar as easy as I can make it for you. Stop trying to earn God's favor and earn a relationship with him because you can't. I'm just going to tell you, there's not a single thing you can do that you're ever going to do to do it. So because you can't, I'll do it. This is the whole reason Jesus came. What's, what is humanity's greatest need? Forgiveness of sin. We can't do anything about it. So God says, you can't, I'll do it all for you. I'll do it. All you got to do is just receive the relationship. How about that? Can we just do that? That should set you free. Now, I know we don't like to talk about the sin thing, but come on. Do you like to be around the person who thinks they're Mr. or Mrs. Perfect? Oh, look at me. I am perfection and I am just, I'm just great and I'm God's gift to humanity. You hate that person. So this should set you free to say, you know what? I'm not perfect. I don't have to fake it. It doesn't give me license to go sin and be a jerk, but it just goes to say, I don't have to put on a show. This whole sin thing, like, yes, I'm broken. I'm the worst one in the room. I struggle as a pastor But guess what? I have a savior who I'm depending on and banking on that when he died on the cross, he took care of my greatest need. And it's a gift from God. It's called grace. All right. So I just receive that. So Father, forgive. What's our greatest need? Sin. I can breathe easy. (sighs) Okay. This is, I, I can handle that. I can be real here. That's what people want. That's what people connect with. I don't have to work to earn a relationship with God. Oh, thank goodness. That's called religion. I went away from church because I felt like I had to work to earn it. And that's not what he's preaching here. Jesus says, Father, forgive them because he knows there's a greater purpose that's happening here. It's called your soul. (laughs) He is working on forgiveness here. If I'm in that moment, if I'm in that moment, all that stuff's going down, I'm like, not forgive them. I'm like, give them hemorrhoids. Like, God, kill them. Hit them with a bus. Make them Dallas Cowboy fans. I mean, make them suffer. He's teaching us something in this moment. Father, forgive them. Who's them? In that moment, who's mistreating Jesus? You got the Roman soldiers. They're mocking him. You got the criminals. You got the Jewish leaders. But I heard some of you all say it. Them is us. 
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it is all humanity. We have all blown it in some way, shape, or form. Now, I want to just, I wasn't going to do this, but I am. This isn't one of those, hey, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Just to be clear, because you read the rest of the scripture, you, you could read that and think, oh, well, if I'm just ignorant of this God thing, he's just kind of forgiven us all and we're good to go, even if I'm ignorant. Um, I just say a quick thing on that and keep going. Ignorance, ignorance of Jesus, does, uh, I believe when you look at scripture, does, does, not, earn, does not get you into heaven. Um, which is why it is so urgent to tell people about Jesus and tell people about the good news. Um, I, I would, it, like Jesus tells his disciples, go and tell people about me. Go and tell the whole world about me. If, if, so sometimes we think about, well, what about the person who dies and has never heard about Jesus and, you know, what's happening with them? And I know this is a tough one. And if I get this wrong, then, hey, I trust that God's got it all in control. But if ignorance gets you in, if ignorance gets you into heaven, into a re- eternity, with, into a relationship with God, if ignorance gets you in, then I would say the worst thing you could do is tell people about Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Go tell people about me. Tell everyone about me. Don't let anyone know, not know about me. Tell them. If ignorance got you in, burn the Bibles and never say a word because that gets everybody in. But Jesus preaches urgency and he preaches the exact opposite. That's why I say I don't think ignorance. So, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I didn't know what I was doing, but I still need Jesus and I still need to know what he's offering here. Sorry, that's a soapbox and a tangent. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. I can wrap that, uh, clean that up next week or something like that. But just saying, Jesus says, go and tell people about me. That's our job. Who's them? It's all of us. I like the picture of, I want to go through the disciples. Because the disciples, they had deserted him. Then on this scene in in John 19, one of the other uh, disciples, John, he writes about this. says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Mary Magdalene was there, so you have the women who are there. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, who most scholars would say that's John, the author, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. I think this is important because this is Jesus' final moments. He's dying. We're getting some of his last words Some of his most important words, he's talking about forgiveness, but also what's on his mind is family. His mom's right there watching the whole scene go down. And he wants to make sure that she's taken care of. Now, John had just deserted them. All those other guys had just deserted him. And Jesus is like, take care of each other, guys. Mom, take care of him. John, take care of my mom. Like, we're we're in this together. When you talk about this thing of forgiveness, listen, we are a church family. And you're going to get hurt and you're going to get wounded. It is part of, like, if you're, if you're forgiving somebody, that means you are close enough to that person to get hurt. And he's like, we're, we're family. We've got to work through these things. How are we going to work through these things? It's, it's this whole idea of fellowship. How are you going to develop relationships? You've got to be able to forgive. 
When my natural reaction is to want to cut off and sever the relationship and you go your way and I'll go mine. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 we're family. What about those other disciples? Because there was other things that were going on with them. You had Thomas, you had Nathaniel, notoriously known as the doubters. Thomas sees, you know, he, he didn't see the resurrection. He's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. You had Nathaniel, when, when we see the first account of Nathaniel, Nathaniel's like, Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? No way the Messiah is coming from there. Just doubtful and skeptical. Yet Jesus saw past all that and invited him into the inner circle. You had Matthew, a tax collector, a tax collector, a traitor who stole and robbed money from their own people. And Jesus saw past that and he invited Matthew into this group. Who's them? You had Simon the zealot. He's passionate about politics and government and takeover. And Jesus saw, is saying, hey, man, I got a different kingdom, a different thing. Jesus sought past all of his political agendas from Simon and said, come on in, because there's something greater. You had Peter, Jesus' best friend. You ever know anyone that, that just says stupid stuff? Don't point. Do not point. That just spouts off. Jesus saw Pat, Peter would just say some things and just, he would say what's on our mind. That's why we relate to Peter. And Jesus saw past that and says, you're going to help lead this thing. Peter, who in that moment had just denied even knowing Jesus. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Leave me alone. And Jesus saw past that. Psalm 41, 9 kind of has a prophecy that's fulfilled in all this. says, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. Even in Peter's denial, prophecy is being fulfilled. Then you had Judas that's there. Judas who betrayed him. Judas, probably the biggest blowout of all, who was so concerned about money. Upset that Jesus wasn't doing things the way he wanted to do. Money was his stumbling block. And God, Jesus still saw past that and invited him in. Who is them? I think this is the question that, that as I was prepping this message that God has kind of wanted me to bring to you. Who do you, who do you need to forgive again today? Who has hurt you? And who do you need to forgive again Father, forgive them. I don't know what that is for you. If it is a, a parent or a, a sibling or a spouse or an ex-spouse or a child or somebody in you, who, someone who said something and they wounded you and they hurt you. And I think God's calling us in this moment to say, we need to forgive that person again. And I know just bringing that up, it's like a death. It's like a loss. It's a pain. It's tr triggering to even think about. I know, like for me, and I'll try not to, it's not a whole lot of details, but for me, it, it, it's something that comes up. I was sexually abused by a family member um, when I was very young. And to me, it is always, that person uh, is still alive. I have no contact with them or anything like that. But whenever I talk about forgiveness, I'm like, I got to forgive that person again for what they did to me. 
And when I do that, sometimes it feels like they're getting away with it. Like they had no consequences, no earthly consequences. And I have those natural feelings where I want them to pay for robbing me of my innocence, for doing things that you should never have done before and things that have hurt extremely. But when you look at forgiveness and what is God wanting to do, it's not about setting that person free. The person that needs to be set free is me. I'm the prisoner. I am the one that is stuck on bitterness. I am the one that is stuck on hatred. I am the one that is stuck on anger. I am the one that is unable to move forward because I'm chained to this person or I'm chained to this event. And it's not to dismiss that person or dismiss that event, but it is to say, God has done something greater for me that I'm not going to stay stuck and chained to that anymore. I am free and I am released. So a couple things to go with this. One is forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. There's, there, there's two different things. So the relationship may never be reconciled the way that it once was. I might have to set some boundaries in place and there may have to be some consequences for choices, but forgiveness is about me releasing what God has, has done and trusting that God can take care of that and I'm no longer going to be chained to that person or to that event anymore. So while I said that person is still alive, I don't, I, we're not reconciled. And part of reconciliation is I got to work on some things on my end, but that person would have to do some things on their part too in order for reconciliation to take place. And if they're not willing to do that, then we, we're gonna, it's, it's, there's going to be something there. But I have the responsibility to completely forgive and move forward. I'm, I mentioned a very traumatic thing for me, but quite honestly, like, I don't have time to think about that. I don't have time to just spend my whole life and my energy and my brain to continually just go back to that and how I was wounded and hurt and this happened and this, that, and that. I don't, I don't want to live that way. Forgive and move forward and take some next steps. That's not to dismiss what happened to you because I know some of the things you've gone through and it's horrendous and horrific, but I think God wants you to be able to move forward and say, let's, let's, let's move on from this and not stay stuck there. How did Jesus do this? Father, forgive them. He did it freely. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Matthew, he called, I told you, Matthew was a tax collector. Basically, he's robbing people. Jesus called Matthew while he was sitting at his tax collector's booth. So basically, he's in committing the act of robbery against his own people. And Jesus is like, hey, can you come join me on my team? It's crazy. And everybody thought he was crazy because he's a tax collector. He would be the last one chosen. And Jesus is saying, yep, that's the one. 
That's the one I want on my team. So if you are struggling with this idea of forgiveness, let me, one, you're human, okay? We're all struggle with this. You're human. But if you're like, nope, not forgiving, I am, there's no way I can ever forgive them for that. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have lost sight of the cross. You have lost sight of Jesus, the one who you call your Lord and Savior. This is a central theme of the cross that he forgave and he forgave freely. So I have to wrestle with this and wrestle that there is something here that God wants and he wants to set us free. Satan wants you bound up in chains. What is, we talked about sin and separation from God. Eternal, in eternity, we call separated from God, we call that hell. You, you live eternity separated from God, that would be hell. Some of us living with unforgiveness and bitterness are living in hell right now. Because we are refusing to let that go. You are chained up with bitterness and anger and rage. And it is holding you back from what God wants you to do. And I want to see you set free. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Well, first you've got to be open to it. Are you even open to this idea of forgiveness? Now, if you're like me, I hate this feeling. I, I want to win. I want to win at all costs. We, like we're doing March Madness basketball brackets right now. And I just found out last night, my, I, I can't earn a single more point in the, in the bracket because every single team is lost. And, I, and so I'm in fourth place in my family. Charlie, by the way, my seven-year-old, somehow has picked Florida Atlantic. He also picked UConn. He's got Texas going this afternoon. I think he had Alabama. But three out of four in this bracket is pretty amazing. The guy is on the roll. I want to win. I was playing basketball this past Friday, first time in, in a year. I was like, hey, I'm going to go play some pickup basketball at the YMCA. Just pick up basketball. And Rita's like, really? You're going to go to do what? And I'm like, I know. I'm going to be sore all weekend, not be able to walk. And I, like, I, my body is just killing me right now. But the game's 20 to 19. You play to 21. Our team's losing. My guy gets the ball. Young 20-something guy, he gets the ball, and I can tell he has that look in the eye like, hey, he wants to score and get the basket and end this game. And so I'm like, I want to win. So I'm going to body him up and play good defense and not let him score. And so I know better than this, but I went and we played hard. Well, he goes running in, and he knocks his head back right into my nose. And it is like, I thought I still feel like I might have broken my nose. Like, it is... My nose is in pain right now. I, and while I laugh at it, I'm like, I want to win. I'm very competitive. And this feels like I'm losing. Forgiving just feels like I'm losing. But when we look at what we talked about today, Father, forgive them. And I'm setting the people free. And that God has something much greater. God was in control in this entire moment. And what I'm trying to help us to see is that forgiveness is the path to winning. God wants your joy to overflow. 
and not be stuck in bondage. And forgiveness is one of those things that we have to be open up to and to forgive. Forgiveness sets me up to win in relationships and to win in life. If if we take this I win mindset into relationships, if you take this I win mindset into your marriage, you've already lost because relationships are not a game. Relationships, this thing of fellowship, they wrong me, I'm right, they're wrong. They're not a game. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes it like this. He says, love keeps no records of wrong. So with that, forgiveness is one of the most loving things that I can do. And in his final moments on the cross, Jesus is doing that. So with that, can we just, can we pray where we're at? Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's gonna get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.